Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. But if you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Apple Card is the credit card created by Apple. You earn 3% daily cash back up front when you use it to buy a new iPhone 15, AirPods, or any products at Apple. And you can automatically grow your daily cash at 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a high-yield savings account. Apply for Apple Card in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have Peter Tuckman on the show. Peter Tuckman is a stock trader on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, and he is best known as the most photographed trader on Wall Street. So before we get started, go to Google, type in Peter Tuckman, and check out his pictures because you will know who I'm speaking with today. And that being said, before we dive, dive into the episode, please take a moment to share this podcast with a friend and enjoy the episode. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I never run ads. But I've made an exception because I truly believe in this company and actually use the product myself. So here we go. Today's episode of Rise of the Young is brought to you by Catch, a free tax withholding and benefits platform for anyone. Whether you're a podcaster like me, graphic designer, hairstylist, entrepreneur, or all-around hustler, you can tell Catch to automatically take a percentage from each paycheck or payment you receive to be set aside for your taxes, time off, or a rainy day. Catch also offers retirement accounts. Even if you have student loans or debt, it's never too early or too late to save for your future. With Catch's percentage-based contribution system, it doesn't matter if you receive or $30,000, they'll put away whatever percentage you'd like each time you're paid for free. So sign up now with promo code Casey2020 at catch.co to get $10 after you save $100 in catch. Here we go. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have Peter Tuckman here with us. He is known as the most photographed trader on Wall Street. Peter, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Casey. The Rise of the Young. I just love it. It's such an inspirational uh, title. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to ask you, where does the name most photographed trader on Wall Street come from? And how did you get that name? So, you know, Wall Street is the floor of the stock exchange. You know, people know it. They see it on TV all the time. It's a what we call open outcry, right? It's not your office where people are sitting in cubicles upstairs on trading desks. It's the floor of the stock exchange. Historically, since 1903, it's been a place where there were thousands and thousands of people in each other's face, screaming and yelling in an auction market, and they called it open outcry. So for many years, it was reserved as a place where the markets traded, we, we were representing customers from all over the world, buying and selling stocks, the point of execution. But it was never a place where the 
the press would have access to the floor, give or take a little bit, but it wasn't as pronounced as what happened in 2007 when we had the financial crisis and the press sort of really needed to participate. Over the last 15 or so years, um, the public has gotten much more involved in what goes down in the markets. It used to be the stock market was something that your grandmother or your father or somebody who was in finance had some relationship with, but it's grown into be this thing where kids from 10 years old, you know, to, to people in their 90s are super enthusiastic and completely absorbed by the action, the faces, the emotion. And so in 2007, they sort of brought the press down to the floor and there was a gentleman who was one of my precursors named Al Gershwitz. They called him the market dude. And whenever pictures were taken of the floor, which were done on occasion, on big wild days of, of crisis, yep. uh, his face was the one. And then in 2007, I believe it was in mid-February, the market dropped 600 and something points. And uh, there were a number of photographers there. And there was a photo taken of me throwing my arms in the air. And the picture got on the front page of the Daily News. And then the next day, they did an article about it. And that sort of began this incredible journey up and on because the photographers found that if they put my expressive Einstein kind of a look in the paper, that they, they were thrilled if they took the picture and got some play time. And uh, so we've had this symbiotic relationship, you know, and the pictures are all natural. There's no, we don't, we're not allowed to pose for photos. But uh, as the press came down to the floor, they, um, BuzzFeed, which I'm sure you know is a, as a millennial or whatever I'm going to call you, a nice guy named Casey, rise of the young man. Um, you're a Gen something, aren't you? Gen Z. You're a Gen Z. I thought they were, okay, great. So as a, uh, as an old, as a long timer talking to a Gen Z, um, so BuzzFeed came along and they, um, they sort of stole my face. It sort of escalated really quickly. I was on a bunch of front pages. Yeah. They started allowing the press on the floor. And it kind of went viral. I was in thousands of front pages all over the world as the market yeah. went into this incredibly volatile period of time of the financial crisis. So both things fueled each other. People needed some sense that there were humans. The human element was involved in the floor of the stock exchange and their money. And the press loved the fact that I had this sort of emotional open outcry kind of face. Yeah. So BuzzFeed did, a, BuzzFeed did a piece on me. BuzzFeed had really just kind of launched Everyone was all locked up looking at those little boxes of eight, you know, three, three minutes of, of yeah. every part of the world. And they, they nicknamed me the, the most, uh, most photographed guy on Wall Street. Okay. And that sort of was the beginning of me not just being taken pictures of, but people wanting to know who the heck this crazy guy was. That is so cool. How long were you working on Wall Street before that moment happened for you? So I started in 1985. Uh, I had had sort of a, a wonderful journey in life up to that point. I grew up in New York. My parents are Holocaust survivors, came here in 1949. Uh, I went to a really good school. Uh, I went to college. I was studying agriculture. Then I got into economics and finance. I came back to New York. I started trading commodities. I opened up a jazz record store on Bleecker Street. I had a jazz company. I, I ran a, a uh, I managed a lot of really amazing jazz artists for a number of years um, and around the world. I was booking a lot of, and, um, and then sort of everything came to a bit of a halt. The world was a little bit wild. I was a little bit wild. Uh, I was in my 20s. 
life got a little bit out of hand and I decided to, um, that I needed to just sort of step out for a moment and I ended up going to West Africa. Wow. And, uh, uh, and I spent a year there, a uh, year and a half there uh, working with a Norwegian oil company, wow. doing some finance work and whatnot. And then uh, after I sort of settled down a little bit, it was a temporary settle down, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Came, I came back to the States and I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was, in, I was a little bit older than you, but not much. And I knew finance was something I really loved to do, but I was sort of a, you know, an eccentric, adrenaline-driven guy. Yeah. Not, not everybody's perfect employee, but there was obviously some place that would have been a perfect fit for me, which I was lucky enough to find. I found, I got a summer job as a teletypist in 1985 on the floor of the stock exchange. Uh, my father was a doctor. He had a number of patients who worked in finance. They gave me an opportunity to come down and visit the floor. They gave me the opportunity to do this summer job, summer job, basically the way the floor is, it doesn't matter who you are and who your dad is or how much money you have. In order to be somebody in this field, you need to start at the bottom and you got to learn the ropes and see if it's for you because it's not your normal place of business. Yeah. And I came down there on May 2035 and I knew immediately it was raucous. It was loud. <laughs> it was adrenaline driven. It was wild and crazy with open outcry. It was a big human thing. I love, I love interacting with other humans. Yeah. And so it was, it was Wall Street at its peak, at least in my, my generation. And I got the summer job and I loved it instantly. I knew it. I had arrived after three months of doing teletyping. This is pre-computer realized. Yeah. So this is a, a long time ago. There were no cell phones, right? We were still doing Quotron machines. Everything was done by hand. We had everything on pads and paper. And, but I knew the energy in the room yeah. and the people in the room was where I wanted to spend my life. And so after the summer internship, I asked for a job, you know, and the qualities that make you a good Wolf, uh, an NYSE, New York Stock Exchange floor employee are qualities that I have. Good with people, thinking on your feet, fast and furious, love the energy and the adrenaline, you know, and can come out of the gate at 9.30 when the bell rings and just go, go, go till 4.30. So um, they gave me an opportunity to be a phone clerk, which was the next step up on the chain. Everybody starts at the bottom and they do have their journey, some differently on their way to the top. But so that was what I had. I ended up getting a job as a phone clerk on the floor in 1985. And that was the beginning of my career. Okay. Wow. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Nowadays, when you, when you go in there, and obviously these last seven months have been very different than usual, but what does your typical day look like? 9.30, the bell rings. What is your day-to-day -day schedule when you're on the floor? So it's super important to note that, you know, so everybody has a different job. Everybody has a different ritual and what they do when they get up in the morning. You know, some people's, some people's persona is more the sort of slow rise, get a coffee, sit down, read the paper, la, 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 and go to your work and then your cubicle and whatnot. That's not the way the floor of the stock exchange goes. <laughs> That's not me. That's yep. not that's not my temperament. You know, the, my, my alarm goes off at 7, 7.15. I immediately turn on uh, CNBC and finance television just as a backdrop to get me going, right? I'll take a shower. I'll have way too many espressos, right? And it gets me out the door. I'm walking down Broadway. I'm a very superstitious person, so I wear, I have lucky ties and lucky socks, and I wear the same, I have five of the same suits. So I'm a bit of a nut, I got to be honest with you. But it's what gets me going. 
I need rituals. I'm a ritual-based personality and temperament. And then I get on the subway and my mind is already moving. I'm already gearing myself up because, as I said, it's like a horse race in so many ways. Once you get down there and you get into your spot and you get ready and the bell rings, it's really sort of the delta of everything that's been going around on in the world. Now, I started as a clerk, uh, as a teletypist. I went on to be a clerk, and then I became a broker. So I've actually been a broker for more than 30 years, which is sort of the ultimate job that you want. It's the end of, it's not the end of the road, but it's, it's the pinnacle of my career. And I, it's been a most wonderful one on the floor of the stock exchange. What does that mean is I represent my company and their customers on the floor. And when the bell rings, I need to already be ready to come out of the gate on fire. Yep. I need to be adrenaline driven and ready to go. I need to be geared into what's going on around the world, the headlines and whatnot. And I need to be ready to make decisions on a dime, right? So it's called the street. It's a place where you think on your feet, good with numbers, good with other people, and really have a, an amazing photographic memory about headlines and all the things that go into a market. Because as you would know, if you've ever been to an auction, you know, you can't say, oh, oh hold on, everybody. I'm not, I don't have my shit together. Right? Could you give me a minute when the market's trading and people are screaming and yelling because there's news out in a stock or that somebody tweets some crazy shit, you know, on social media and the market's going up 100 points and down 500 points. There's no hold on, everybody. Give yeah. me a minute. It's like, shit, you're in the middle of it. So you've got to be ready. Right. And that's I, I respond well to that. That's my yeah. temperament. Right. Not everybody is planning. So I get down to work. I have sort of some, some rituals, whether it's a little bit of coffee. I have my pad, which I've had in my pocket for 30 plus years. So I do a little of this superstitious mumbo jumbo that kind of gets me emotionally, psychically psyched, okay. right, to start my day. And then you start running around getting pre-looks, which means markets now trade 24-7 around the world, right? But the floor of the New York Stock Exchange is the most preeminent market. What we do will affect whatever markets do in the, around the world. Yep. We don't trade as much volume. There is technology now, which has made it so we're, there are not five to 7,000 employees there. It's only about 800 to 1,000 in total because people have computers that can do a lot of the work. But yep. once the bell rings, I'm on fire. I'm, I'm working. I have orders. I'm on with my company's customers. I'm trying to convey information that I see in the crowd right, of what's going on. Where are the buyers? Where are the sellers? Why is the market doing what it's doing? The decisions are made by customers, but on the point of execution. So the relationship I have with my other brokers, with the market makers, with the news people, and to give everybody a sense of what's going on second by second, right, in a, in a market run by algorithms and yep. computers and tweets and all this crazy shit, markets that can go up and down like crazy. Yesterday, the market opened down 300 on really bad economic news. It went down 550. It hit sort of a technical level and then went back up 350 points. Yeah. So you, you need to know why it's doing what it's doing. You need, to be, uh, you need to be very reactive, but you need to really not get emotional about it because I'm trading other people's money and I need to just be a great point of, of communication. So that's my day. I do that all day long, right? <laughs> there are orders we used to do in person. Now a lot of them are done through algorithms, uh, through our handheld computer. But that information um, pipeline 
from the market maker to me, to the press. I don't tell the press things, but I am open to what I'm seeing going on. I need to be aware of all the other financial instruments yep. going on. So it's really kind of a lot like flying a plane in so many ways because you've got dials everywhere. You need to know what's the Dow doing, S&P, what your customer's doing, what are your orders, what are the instructions, right? And that can change on a dime. Yeah. And there's no time to say, hold on, guys. If you're in the, uh, flying across the ocean and the, and the plane is on automatic pilot and you hit a storm, there's no time to say to the customers in the back when the plane's getting tossed around, hold on, everybody. I got to go take a pee and smoke a cigarette. Can you give me a right? Yeah. If it's a fan, you got to, you know, turn off the fan and clean up the shit, right? So you got to be up. So that's, that's my day, wow. right? And it's, uh, that's super exciting. It's super um, intense. Yeah, that's right? a lot. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. But you know what? It's, it's look, it's, there are only a limited number of people who do it historically. It's the kind of thing where if it's your life and your temperament, it's you, right? So it fulfills all of my needs emotionally, spiritually, and financially on a given day, right? It's what I get up in the morning to do because it's just like, ah, oh, man, it's like a horse race. <laughs> so, and, and I've found it to be something I love. You know, whether it's a good day or a bad day in the market, as long as I'm doing my job, which is communicating what's going on, representing the, my company's customer the best way, trying to do the best and not be emotional about what's going on, and make my decisions based on a lot of good information and be, be educated, be aware, right, of what's going on. This is no joke. You're playing with money and it's no game, right? So if I do something, I need to have an explanation. Absolutely. I want you to, are you there? That's my world. Oh, God, a little bit. You froze. Yeah, we're you're breaking up a little bit. One second, we'll give it a moment. All right, you're still frozen on my side. How do I? You said I'm back. Okay. All right, I think we're good. Can you hear me? Come back in. All right, we're back. I'm on. Okay, cool. Good. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. So, speaking of good days, bad days, one of the most iconic pictures of you was back in 2007, 2008, where it's just that draw job, draw dropping picture. Can you talk to me about what that day was like on the floor of the stock exchange? Because no one else in the outside world gets to feel that rather than the people that are actually there. So, you know, there have been a number of, every day is sort of a super exciting emotional day, especially lately. There clearly are and have been pivotal days from an emotional uh, face or reaction to what's going on right? As I mentioned, the term Delta, right? It's where all the rivers are coming together and they end up being at the, at the floor of the stock exchange because it's, it's, it's money and public companies and markets reacting to what's going on around the world. Yep. And we've never seen it be as amazing. That, what happened in 2007 
was, was devastating, the financial crisis. It was one of the first great pictures. But what happened then in sort of small little periods of time over those years, we've seen happen in the crash of 87. We've seen financial crisis of 07, 08. We've seen when Brexit came out, we saw when Trump got elected. And now for the last four years, we're seeing this on an intraday basis, yeah. where especially in the last four months, where we're seeing 1% moves in the market. We're talking from three to 500 point moves intraday up and down like crazy. So what, what goes into, as I said to you, those aren't posed pictures, but you know, even a wild and crazy guy like me gets to a point where it's just my head is exploding, yeah. right? By the, the stress, it, we're, we're trading real money, yeah. right? I need to explain why I do what I do. And in a market that can be down 500 and then be up 400 because a tweet comes out or something like that, I need to be nimble and freestyling and, and thinking on my feet, right? Yes. So when things just get to the point where I just can't do it anymore, and that, you know, that day we had seen a huge drop, right? That was when the shit was really hitting the fan with the financial crisis. Lehman Brothers had gone out of business. And it's curiously enough that, you know, and then you've got your own life that you're going through on any given day, whatever obstacles it was, right? Personally, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, I'm a human being. You're surrounded in close quarters with a lot of people. And you never know what people are going through, right? I would imagine there's some photos. We joked on the, the photo in the Daily News that you could be talking about with my hands in the air jokingly enough was actually a reaction to the market being down 700 points and that I had just gotten the bill for my son's bar mitzvah just to eat a little, just to add a little light to the, to yeah. the thing. <laughs> it, it was way more than I, way more than so yeah. you never know. Most of the time my, my facial expressions are all market related. Sometimes they're not, sometimes they're a function of my personal life. Hey, that's good to know. Over the last four to five months, how have things changed in your life? I know that obviously it's been a dramatic change for everyone, but especially for the New York Stock Exchange, how have you adapted to these times and what have you learned from them? So, you know, look, the last number of years have been quite some many times because the nature of finance, the nature of the economy, the way the market works, the technology that we are being given. So my job description, which I've given you a little bit of, a, uh, of an eye-opener to, has changed over the years. It's not always been a successful one, but we thrive off. I don't have money involved in the market personally. I've never owned a share of stock in my life. Most wow. people, some people know that. You would find it curious because, as you know, money is, has a way of talking in your ear, right? How well your bank account personally is doing can be a very loud narrative and conversation. Yeah. If I was worried and I invested in, many people I work with are invested in the market. You know, I ended up investing in my two kids. They graduated college without any student debt. That was one of my goals and promises to them. So yep. a lot of my income went that way. And I also don't want to be pulled by my profit and loss worry on any given day because my primary purpose is, my, is the company's customers who I represent. Yep. Okay? So the last five months have been crazy 
for many, many reasons, right? I ended up getting COVID on, um, so let's go back. I'll give you a little snapshot of what happened here. So we ended up, you know, obviously within the world of Trump, the market has had quite a wild run. From yep. the night he got elected, midnight or three in the morning, the night he got elected, the market went down a thousand points. By the time, 3 a.m., market was down a thousand when he actually was made, when he won the election. By the time we opened up in the morning, the market was up a thousand points. And since that day, whether it's the China trade story, problems with Canada and Mexico, the wall, North Korea, Brexit, tweeting economic information that has no business being out there, the whole relationship of social media, content, and the markets, the involvement of the press, the whole nature and the open bookness, that's not a real word, uh, of the floor of the stock exchange and everybody's money, uh, it feels like, you know, so many more people are interested and are getting involved in their money and getting involved in trading and whatnot. And I'll talk about that later relative to, to younger people. But um, we saw on February 12th, the market was at an all-time record high. The NASDAQ, the S&P, and for people who don't know what that is, every part of the market, the economy was in great shape. The consumer was robust. Banks, uh, balance sheets were, were, were doing really well. Everybody was doing, not everybody, but for the most part, the economy is doing well. Unemployment was at a great low. That was just a few months ago. Yeah. Right? It feels like years now because the last four months have been a fucking shitstorm. Excuse my language, right? But on February 12th, we were at record highs. And everyone's going, this is incredible. It's never going down. La, 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 la. And then from February 12th until March 23rd, as, that was just as the virus started catching on, but we were still in denial about the reality of it. And then it just started to travel, you know, through the Middle East and into Italy, and people started to die, and the shit became real, and it came over the ocean. And by March 23rd, on March 15th, I believe, our president, who had been in denial about it for a long time, announced it was a pandemic, right? And at that point, we started to see the market just get eviscerated, the reality of it. Right. And what does that mean? And you ask me, what does it feel like? What, when are those, what, it, what am I thinking when those pictures are being taken and I've got my hands in the air screaming? Those were really amazing times. That's six weeks from February 12th until I, I left the floor on March 17th because I got sick. But those four weeks where the market sold off 30 plus percent, the Dow Jones was down 11,000 points. And people were just running for the hills, but no and furious, right? And so, and then we've seen the rally back from March 23rd, right? So what's been going on is very hard to explain. Why in the eye of a world, right? Did it take four weeks for the market to sell off? And then over the last three months, the market has rebounded up to almost record highs. Once again, even in, in the eyes, of what could be a recession or a depression, 50 plus million people are out of work. You know, uh, industries are 60% of all restaurants in the United States will never open up again. This yeah. is reality that everybody, it's gonna be a while before you, you're gonna be able to, you and 
are going to go hang out at a bass. We're not getting on a cruise ship. We're not going to a movie theater. We can yeah. barely go to the local place and have a coffee, right? So yet the market keeps going up. So there's a reality why. It's stimulus, Federal Reserve, and all that shit. And we can talk about it more in another time. But what that's meant over the last number of months, first of all, I got sick on March 17th. Yeah. How, how, how did that? I was very sick. Over the next, how did it affect me? It was deeply traumatic. I almost died. Uh, I was isolated here in my home for more than 60 days, alone. I didn't see another human being except the shadow of a delivery guy, maybe wow. once or twice. I had my son had, you know, juices and smoothies and stuff, which I was barely able to take down, uh, delivered to the house. Uh, my wife and daughter were away. I was isolated here with, with, with acute COVID. I got sicker and sicker and sicker every day for two months as it started to come out of it. I had virtually, and people think that if you're old, you die, and if you're young, you get better. You know, my relationship with COVID was fairly devastating, right? It affected my kidneys. I got meningitis, affected my brain. I've lost a lot of memory. I have a lot of neurological shit. On August 12th, I'm, my cervical spine collapsed due to the lack of hydration that was caused by COVID, it accelerated uh, some other issues that I had with, our, with my neck. I'm going in and having a major surgery on August 12th. You know, uh, I'm out of breath often. I have scarring in my lung. So this shit is super real. And it was real for me, right? I know, you know, unless somebody's really had a relationship with somebody who experienced it, people are going, well, if you're old, you die. And if you're young, you get better. Not really a fact, right? I think everybody really needs to understand that this is real. It, it, we don't even know how long it's going to affect people. So yeah. that's my personal experience on the journey of COVID. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, the stock exchange was closed for two months because as a place where people are on top of each other screaming and yelling, it's surely not a COVID-friendly place, yeah. right? First place you go in a pandemic, right? So yeah. they closed down just in time. Only a number of few people got sick that were down there, contributed to that. Stock exchange was super super on top of it in my opinion and then uh so we were basically out of business some people were able to trade remotely i was not my business kind of shut down um but we reopened again so for two months not only was i trying to recover from the virus but you know uh i mean i've been a successful guy i wasn't worried about where my next meal was coming from but surely the future was had a lot of unknowns yes right and also for me as i described to you Going to the stock exchange, for me, whether it's a good day or a bad day, or whether I've lost a relative or, or I'm sick, it's where I go to get my adrenaline. Yeah. So that was something I really had to negotiate, being sort of locked away, right? You can see I'm a high-energy guy. Absolutely. I love right? it. And I haven't had too much coffee. So, um, so that was part of my end. March, uh, May 26th, the stock exchange reopened, and I was not – Cho, we opened at a very thin skeleton crew with social distancing, with masks and testing. And so I have a son who's 26. His name's Benny. He's awesome. He's been my partner on the floor now for a couple wow. of years. That's and good. so him being young, stronger. What? That's so cool that you guys are on the same floor together. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. You know, in the past, historically, the floor of the stock exchange was where your grandfather worked there, your father worked there. You know, and it was a very, there was a lot of nepotism and families were down there. That's not my experience with my family. My dad was a doctor. I had no prior background in finance. But as I grew up on the floor, the family relationship, the human element 
was what I felt so great. And I always wanted that from my kid because yeah. he's like, he's six foot three. I'm a short little fucker. Right. So we don't look alike. We're not, we're, we're alike in many ways, except height. Yeah. Right? But he loves that energy. So I was super lucky because he went down to the floor on March 26th and he started trading uh, for the customers of my company. And so we've been able to sort of get back on board. I'm still suffering from a lot of residual debt damage and I said I'm going for surgery in August so I've been going in two days a week um, to just show support for him only for a couple hours because they have not opened the floor to everybody yet um, yeah. but it, it's been a struggle it's been a dream you know, it's, it's hard for me not to get up and go through that you know it may sound to people like wow that, I don't want to do that that sounds stressful <laughs> for me it's my life it's what I love to do right yeah <laughs> I love that I have one more question for you before we wrap up, Peter, and that is when you're looking back throughout your journey, you've been on the stock exchange on the floor since 1985, you said, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned from that experience, not only about yourself, but about how you live your life? And what would you want a 19, 20 year old to learn from you today as just a big takeaway from the New York Stock Exchange? I love the question. Great question. And it's, it really uh, <clears throat> it talks to what I try and tell young people on a daily basis. That, it, you know, I, it's not my quote, but I heard it and it, it is part of it's, it. Finds my, find something you love to do. You'll, and, and um, we, we live in an extraordinary time. I, I, you know, I'm hoping this pandemic gets over soon, and I hope we get some back to some levels of normalcy. And I think we're going to change. We've changed a lot in this thing. At the end of the day, I, you know, life happens. Yeah. Right? It's a matter of your perspective, how you look at things. I've been trying to talk to people during the pandemic about the fact that we can't really look at this as just some his, some biblical event, but more as an opportunity. Everyone's going to have their struggles along the way, but it, you know, you need to start every day fresh, right? From a floor perspective, we always say what goes on between nine and four is over at four o'clock, right? So it's like on any given time, you know, I am a firm believer in not burning your bridges. I'm a firm believer in what's called restraint of pen and tongue, which means you respond to other people. You don't react, right? Because once you do something, whether once you say something you shouldn't have said. Once it's out in the air, you can never capture it back again. So I'm a big proponent of the human element. I love relating to other people. I'm not a guy who needs a whole lot of toys. I'm not a proponent of the guy who dies with the most toys is the winner. Yeah. I'm more of the person that says, if I can affect somebody's life, whether it's a young person, anybody, in a positive way, then I've done my job on this journey, right? I, I want people to find something they love to do, right? And as I said, we're in a time right now, whether it's with social media, whether it's just the lives we've, we lead, we are, we're, we're aggressive consumers and business and branding and advertising are out there. And so I want everybody to find something that will wake them up in the morning. And that's there. The only job that I ask people to instill in themselves is to do that. I can't get you up in the morning and I can't tell you what's gonna get your gears going, but it's out there. 
and you've got to, you know, it's not a matter of how many times you fall down, it's how many times you get back up and go for it, right? Yep. Failures are, are the most awesome parts of the road to success, right? There's no phone call you can't make. You call up any goddamn CEO in the world. But what I want people to do to get from my experience is that you need to surround. I'm a team player. Yeah. You know, I'm, I have a specialty. I'm good at interacting with human beings to a certain extent. I'm good with my job at the stock market. I'm good at motivating other people. So find something you love to do. Get a team around you. If you're not capable of, of all that stuff, I, I love the fact that we are all individual specialists in a way. You had a journey. You ran into an obstacle. It took you on a different bit of a detour, which you found what you love to do. Yeah. Your, your life may have been a lot different without the journey you had, Absolutely. as mine. My life has had a lot of obstacles, hasn't always been successful, but I kept going. So, you know, find something you love to do. Don't matter if you fall down on it, get up and try again and find something that's going to get you up in the morning and, and get you going. And it's out there. Whether it, I can help your audience find something through what I do, whether it's in art, whether it's in public companies on the floor of the stock exchange, whether you're into sneakers, whether you're into apparel, whether you're into technology, whether you're into the food business, whether you're into social media, it's there. Yes. And find something that excites you. You know, um, look in the nooks and crannies of companies. I'm not telling everyone in the world they should become a stockbroker. That's not at all what I'm saying. But there's something out there with all the wonderful companies that are out there, sustainability. It's another huge push going on, right? Um, find something that, 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 that really gets your juices flowing and go for it. Kindness, you know, uh, random act of kindness will keep you in the light. You know, there's another spiritual journey in all this stuff too. But that human element, right? You can learn from people you don't like as much as you can from people you do like. You can learn from people who have failed and, and find their way to success. So it's that get up and grind and, and, and always come from a loving place. You know what? You can go scream in your pillow all the exodives you want. But at the end of the day, if you come from a loving place, it'll, it'll keep, your, keep, your, keep you solid. I love that. And Peter, that's a great way to end this. Before we wrap up, everyone that's listening, where is the best place that they can go to follow you, to stay in touch with you throughout your journey? So, you know, I'm a little aged out. I won't tell you how old I am. I, I count myself at 55. So I've been 55 for a couple of years. But, so, uh, but I'm actually on social media. So I'm on Instagram as on Einstein on Wall Street. That's been a fun growth. Um, I'm on Twitter also as Einstein on Wall Street. I have a Facebook uh, presence. Um, you know, I'm doing a lot of really kind of fun things. I have, I'm, I'm about to build a, 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 a e-commerce store on Instagram. We've got, I have my own sneaker that we did a collab uh, with, with a guy who's been a designer for Nike. It's called the Air Einstein Ones. They're super cool. Ooh. We've got keychains. You know, I have a little, I have a little, you will have to get your pair. Yeah. I have this little character, which is a motivational toy. You know, so it's kind of, I'm, I'm, enjo I'm, I'm enjoying the wonders of social media. You know, I get involved with a lot of people who have a good message, right? Mm -hmm. I love art, motivational stuff like that. And um, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get out a really good message while we're here. You know, I don't know how long we're going to be here. I don't know what life's going to look like on the other side of this shit. Right? Yeah.
right now is a for me. It's I, we all meet each other in this thing, right? So that I'm, I'm easy to reach. You can find me. You want to have a lot of fun? Google me and, and check out the photographs. Yeah, absolutely, it's hysterical. Um, for some reason, this character, this Einstein guy, has become sort of a global a global phenomenon in a lot of fun ways. I love it. It's exciting. And in the meantime, it gives me a platform for somebody of, of my generation, which a lot of people in my generation are not on, to be able to talk to young people, inspire them, and motivate them. And that's that's what makes me happy. I love that. Well, Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'll make sure to link below all your social media links so that they can check it out. And that being said, thanks again. Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.